He is risen! He is risen! We shouted. I couldn't believe it. Jesus was back. He had risen from the grave. He had defeated death. Jesus had overcome darkness. He had risen. At that time, he was crucified on Friday, and we were all confused. He had taken the cross and gone to the grave. Our teacher for three years gone, and he was back. We were all actually a little confused right away when he saw him. We couldn't believe our eyes. But Jesus had come back with all his power and glory. He used what he had not to rise up and defeat people on Friday, but to defeat death itself on Sunday so that all might know him. It hit me that day. He knew what he was doing. I think about the way he used his power. It didn't make sense to anyone else at the time, but he knew what he was doing. It didn't make sense, but he submitted to the Father. It didn't make sense, but he loved everyone through it. It didn't make sense, but now it does. He laid down his life for the sake of others, and he asks us to do the same. Well, happy Easter, everybody. Yeah, welcome. Waking it up. That worship still got you going, doesn't it? It's awesome. Hey, happy Easter to everybody in the north venue. Happy Easter if you're in the fireside room or in the gathering area and some nick and corner of the building. You know, we should build a bigger church. I think we should get on that. We'll, we'll, we'll have a meeting or something about that. So here's the deal. It's Easter. And Easter is the time of resurrection. It is the time when the power of God was shown most profound in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this season here at Jacob's Well, we've been talking a lot about this thing of power. And one of the things we've been saying about power is that all of us are getting different, given different amounts of power, authority in our life. But most people in this life tend to use their power for themselves. That's what we saw with the religious leaders in Jesus' day. That's what we saw in the example of, of the, the, the Romans in their day, that, that they were really interested in two things. They were interested in protecting their position and their place. They were interested in projecting their position and their place. But then along comes Jesus in stunning contrast who instead uses his power, uses his influence, uses his shot, his opportunity to empower others by giving them a position and a place. And so those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ are given a position and a place. Let me, let me give you the example. So, so when Jesus rose from the dead, it said that someone went to the tomb, they're not, he's not there, and then Jesus shows up and says, go back and tell my brothers that I've risen. Now, now Jesus had called his, his disciples a lot of things. He'd call them disciples. He'd call them followers. He'd call them servants. He'd call them sheep. Sometimes he called them slow of heart and a little foolish. But for the very first time after the resurrection, Jesus refers to his followers as brothers and sisters. And so the position that Jesus Christ is giving you when you put your faith and trust in him is his brother, his sister, and because he was the son of God, that means that you become a child of God. That's the position that he has given you. Not only that, he then gives you a place in the family of God, and he says, I'm going to heaven to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back for you, and so there will always be a place where you belong. So you no longer need to be satisfied with temporary positions and places here, 
things you can't keep. Your eternal destiny is to be a child of God with God. And that's why Jesus came. That's what he came to empower. That's what he used his power to do. Now, now here's the really cool thing about people who really understand the, the, the really fun thing to do with power. The really fun thing to do with power is to empower other people. It's to not make yourself great, but to help the greatness of other people that God has created in them to come out. And, and so I want to show you a, a resurrection story, a story about Jesus' disciples after he rose from the dead. And it's actually one we don't look at a lot because we're really not sure what to do with it. But, but, but I just saw some things there that just made my heart sing this, this Easter season. So I want to share them with you. Because what Jesus is doing to his disciples is he is empowering them He is empowering them with the power of the resurrection to then help empower other people with the gift of the most amazing thing, the gift of forgiveness. The gift of forgiveness. Let me just share one verse with you. The Bible says that the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Let me say that again. The same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is at work in and through you. That should blow your mind. Because one of the things that resurrection wants to do is to empower you, to empower you. So listen to this verse. It's in John chapter 20, verse 19. It says, okay, on the evening of that day, so this is Easter night. Now, what you need to understand is that a lot of the disciples have already seen Jesus. A lot of them have talked to him. Some have touched him. The women have declared. Some haven't. There's like, he's alive. Is he not alive? What does this mean? What are we going to do? So it's Easter night. It says, Easter night, the first day of the week, first day of the week, The doors were locked. Okay, so these guys are still protecting themselves. They're protecting their position and their place. Their doors were locked where the disciples, because they were afraid of the Jews. So they're still living in fear. So they've seen the resurrection. They know the resurrection. Some of them actually embraced the resurrection, but they're still living hidden and afraid, a lot like us today. We, we know the power of the resurrection. We, we've experienced the forgiveness of God. But because we're afraid of this or that or losing that, or what people will say, we, we live hidden away. Well, Easter is a time, listen now, to profess what we believe as followers of Jesus Christ. So the doors are locked. The disciples were hidden away for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Because now, because he's died on the cross, he can offer them peace. You see, before this, there was like this war between us and God. This thing called sin had become between us. And and how many people just know that sin messes everything up? I mean, it just messes everything up. It messes up your relationship, messes up your mind, messes up your heart, messes up your actions. It, it makes you isolated and alienated. It fills your life with pride and selfishness and smallness. And all of this comes into our life. And what it does is it separates us from God. The Bible actually says that sin makes us an enemy with God, that we've been at war with God. But here's the deal. When Jesus came, I'll show you in a minute, he takes care of sin. He removes sins. So now God can come and say, I can now offer you peace. And so here's Jesus coming, and he's saying, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed him his hands, he showed him his side, so that they knew that he really lived, he really walked on the earth, he really died on the cross, he was actually dead, he showed him all that. And, and that's one of the things that if, if you're not sure about whether or not this really happened, one of the, it's just one of the most historically documented events is the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ uh, in, in the history of, of ancient humanity. And, and so Jesus came. He showed him this really happened. We as followers of Christ really believe it. We, we really believe that, that these things happen. And then it said, and the disciples were glad that they saw the Lord. 
Now here's the cool part. Here's where Jesus starts empowering them. Verse 21, he said, Jesus said to them, again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even now I am sending you. He says, now I'm going to give you a mission. I'm going to give you a purpose. I'm going to send you out. Verse 22. And, and when he said this to them, look at this. He breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit that rose Christ Jesus from the dead, the Spirit that was in, in him and doing amazing things in him, gave him courage in the midst of an unbelievable difficulty, that same Spirit has been given to us and for us to get to know him and to embrace him and live in that power empowers us in the most wonderful way. In another place, Jesus said to his disciples before he gave him the spirit, he says, well, you should go to this place and when the spirit comes, you will receive power and that power will allow you to profess, to be my witnesses of everything that I am and everything that I've done. And, and then he doesn't stop there. Verse 23 is a really powerful verse and sometimes we don't know what to do with it, but, but I'm going to explain it here in just a minute. It says this, it says now, because you've been empowered, because you have received the Holy Spirit, he says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. Wow. Did he just say that we have been given the power to offer, to give, to declare forgiveness? That's exactly what he says. He says, if, they, if you forgive sins, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from any, they are withheld. Now, now, let me tell you first what this doesn't mean. This doesn't mean that church or religious officials say, you can be forgiven, you can be forgiving. You don't give enough, you can't be forgiven. You don't come enough, you don't be forgiven. You haven't memorized enough Bible verses, you can forgive. Oh, you disagree with me? No forgiveness. It's not that kind of thing. What it is, is that we have been entrusted with the Spirit of God with this incredible message. In another place, Jesus calls it a key. He says, you've been given the key. The message of forgiveness has been given to you. It unlocks doors. It unlocks chains. It's the key to knowledge. And this has been given to you. And so he has given us, as the church and us as the people of God, the power to declare forgiveness. Now, here's the truth about forgiveness. Some of you have given up on forgiveness. Some of you never believed in forgiveness. You don't believe in forgiveness for certain people. Say, those people, they've gone too far. They're too bad. I've done a lot of bad things, but I've never done that. Listen, here's the thing I want to say. Under the authority of Jesus Christ, let me just say, there's nothing that you have done that Jesus Christ can't forgive. Some of you have given up on forgiveness for yourself. You say, Paul, you don't know. You don't know what I've said. You don't know how bad I've been, how selfish I've been, how just disrespectful to God I've been. I've thrown it back in his face. I have done things that if you knew, I'd be be ashamed for you to know. I have done too much for God's forgiveness. Well, I just want to remind you that I've been given authority to declare forgiveness of sins. You have been given authority to, to declare forgiveness of sins because that's just the verse we said. He says, if you declare that these sins are forgiven, they are forgiven because here's the deal. The cross of Jesus Christ was all about forgiveness of sins. Let me explain how it works. The Bible says this. The Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If you're part of all, go ahead and raise your hand. North Bend, you raise your hand. Okay, here's the deal. Here's the deal. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the Bible says that our sins to God are like filthy rags, and they separate us from God. And because our sins have separated from God, we got to get rid of that sin. But the Bible also says any of our efforts to make up for our sins or to pay for our sins or to do good things or make donations, any of those things to make up for our sins, those are empty to God. They're like a horrible sounding noise. They're like a terrible smell. They're like something nasty that you'd find alongside the road. Any of our efforts to make up 
for our sins, our halfway, our broken, our incomplete. And so we needed another solution. And so what God did was send his son. And Jesus Christ, who was uniquely qualified to do this because he was all God and he was all man. So he's truly human, so he could die for humans, but he was infinite worth. And so he had enough value in himself that he could actually carry all the sins of humanity. And so he took those sins and he bore the blame for them. He bore the shame for them. He blamed the punishment for them. And that's why the cross had to happen because Jesus Christ is the only way for our sins and the sins of humanity to be dealt with. And so Jesus carried the sins of the world to the cross. And here's the deal. When he died on the cross, you know what he said? He said, it's finished. They're paid for, you know, uh, the sins are taken care of. And they took Jesus Christ down from the cross, and he and the sins went down to the ground, and they buried it. So that's what you do with dead things, because our sins are dead now. And then three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. You know what stayed behind in the tomb? Our sin. And so now Jesus says, I have the authority to offer you, to declare to you, to explain to you forgiveness. And you know what I've done is I've given it to my followers. I've given it to my disciples that they can declare that forgiveness is offered because of Jesus Christ. And so you say, well, how can I get this forgiveness? Do I have to go to church? Do I have to start doing good things? Do I have to be nice to puppies and orphans, things like that? Well, here's the deal. You don't do anything to get the forgiveness of God. Because it's not about what you do. This is important. It's not about what you do. Okay, listen again. It's not about what you do. It's what Jesus Christ has done for you on the cross. If you try to add some of your do to it, it's just going to be do-do. That was not a good Easter joke. But that's the deal. And actually, there's a verse in Scripture that actually kind of says that. We won't look at that. But here's it's It's nonsense to God. When you add your effort, God said, listen, you didn't need to. Because I said it was finished. You say, well, how do I get it then? Well, you accept it. You accept it by faith. You accept it by faith in such a way that you say, you know what? I really believe that Jesus lived. I really believe that he died on the cross for my sins. I really believe he rose from the dead. And you know what else? You know what else? I I, I so believe him that I want to accept him into my life. I want to receive him. And you know what? Because I've received him, I want to follow him. I want to be like him. And and when, when I do that by faith... That is when you are given the position of a son and a daughter. That's when you are empowered and gifted with the Holy Spirit who makes the best parts of you come alive and become something special and starts working to minimize and drive out the worst parts of your life. This is why Easter is such a big deal because a lot of people have died. Only one person has arisen from the dead. And so that's why it makes sense to follow Jesus. Here's just a good rule for life, okay? Are you ready? If someone comes to earth predicts their death and predicts they're going to come back to life, and they do it, pay attention to what they say. Right? Pay attention to what they say. And that is exactly what Jesus Christ has done. And so what I want to actually do this Easter season is I want to actually just explain this offer of forgiveness, of eternal life, of inclusion in God's family by just three questions, okay? These are the three questions that we have to answer so that we could have eternal life. So the first question is simply this. Do you believe that Jesus lived, died for our sins, and rose from the grave? And we would respond, I do believe. Do you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And our answer would be, I do accept him. And in the third question, would be, do you choose to follow him and seek to live as Jesus lived? I do choose to follow him. And when you declare that, when you publicly profess that, the Bible says we believe in our heart, we confess with our mouth, We are saved. Well, then eternal life is given to you. So what I want to do, okay, is I want to ask all of us these questions. And I want to give you an opportunity to affirm in the affirmation to each one of these questions, whether you're here, whether you're in the North Venue, or whether it's like Wednesday and you're watching online, whatever. This is maybe the most important, important three questions you will ever 
be asked. Because you're here and you know you're estranged from God. You know your life's not working. You desperately want a fresh start. You want to be forgiven, but you've been given up on forgiveness. But right now, the Spirit of God is speaking to you and telling you you can be part of God's family. You can be forgiven. And so I want to ask these questions. If you want to affirm these questions, you want to answer, then just go ahead, all of us together, and answer these questions as I ask them. Let me just ask, do you believe that Jesus lived, died for our sins, and rose from the grave? I do believe. Do you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I do accept him. Do you choose to follow him and to seek to live as Jesus lived? I do choose to follow him. Well, here's the deal. Based on the authority of the scripture we just read, Jesus' words, and, and about a jillion other verses, jillion's a big number, a lot of other verses, okay, I want to give a declaration of forgiveness for every person who professes what we just professed. So this is a declaration over all of us who believe. Because you have put your faith in the person of Jesus Christ and the finished work that he has done through his life, death, and resurrection, and based on the promises of God found in Scripture and the very words of Jesus, I declare that your sins are forgiven and you are a child of God. You are accepted, loved, cherished by the Father, and you are empowered to live a new life in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Anybody think that's just good news? Come on, let's give it up. Now, for some of you, that was a redeclaration of something you've believed for a long time. For some of you, that was a redeclaration of something maybe you've drifted from and you need to rediscover. But for some of you, that was a first-time profession of faith. And what I want you to do is I want you to tell somebody about that. I want you to tell one of the leaders here. I want you to tell maybe someone you came with this week that, you know what? I made that declaration, and, and, and God has come into my life. Now, we have a really cool weekend this weekend because there are a bunch of people who are doing that. Through baptism. Because what a baptism is, is it is people who are basically saying, I believe. I believe. Well, what do they believe? Well, they believe Jesus really lived. He really died and he rose from the dead. That they really believe that, 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 that when they asked to come, him to come into his life, they came, he came into their life. And they had begun to see that as they follow him, God is changing their life. And so this weekend, we've had, we had dozens of people who have already come for baptism. And we have six who are going to be baptized in this uh, service. But we had um, just a bunch baptized last night. And we just thought you might, wanna, uh, might have wanted to see what that looked like a little bit. Let's go ahead and show um, the baptisms from last night.
How good was that? Yeah. Now, now historically, the Church of Jesus Christ from the early times was baptized on Easter Sunday because it is the perfect picture of Easter. Because here's what baptism symbolizes. It symbolizes a person standing in the water with their sin, dead in sin. And and because they've accepted Christ, uh, the old person they were dies, and you bury that old person with their sin, and a new person leaving their sin behind is resurrected to walk in a new way, in a new way of living. And so it's the death burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is a declaration, it is a profession of faith of the people who are coming even today to say, I believe. And because I believe, it has changed everything. I'm no longer a person in sin and shame and and despair. I am a child of God. I'm forgiven, I'm accepted, and I want everybody to know that. No longer hiding in fear, no longer, you know, afraid, but instead I'm professing that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. And so we have six wonderful people who are coming to declare their baptism. So I'm going to go ahead and ask them to come on in. This first one is, oh, by the way, for a lot of churches, baptism is a solemn, holy, reverent occasion. We're not that kind of church, okay? Yeah, so... <laughs> This is about celebration, and it is about just, wow, Easter. All right, come on. All right, so here's the first one. This is Corinne Delorge. She has said, she had written, I am being baptized because I want to submit my life to Jesus, to show I care and serve him, to learn more about him and how to pray to him and for everyone. And so, Corinne, I want to ask you, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? then based on your public profession of faith, we baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) This is Bailey Jensen. Bailey says, I grew up in a Christian home, but I was never baptized. I want to declare my love and obedience to Jesus and start a new chapter in my life. So, Bailey, I want to ask you, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I have. Then based on your public profession of faith, we baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is Daniel Schneider. Daniel writes, Though I was baptized as an infant, God has been putting it on my heart to do it again. Now as my personal outward expression of my faith in Jesus Christ, I am ready to fully leave my past behind and to move to the future that he has for me. And so Daniel, I want to ask you, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I have. These guys can't wait to declare it. I love it. Then based on your public profession of faith, we baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> this is Aiden Struble. Aiden writes, I want to get baptized because last year I got a head injury and Jesus helped me through it all. He he was always by my side and gave me the strength to keep going. Because of his love, I knew I was going to get better. I am am doing this to show my love for Jesus. 
And so, Aiden, I want to ask you, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Then based on your public profession of faith, we baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This is Ashley Yoshino. She writes, Jesus has shown me what love means. It's kind of like what the movies show when a person dies for someone they love, except so much better. (laughs) So Ashley, I want to ask you, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Oh yeah, let's do this. Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) Then based on your public profession of faith, we baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This is Rebecca, Rebecca Yoshino. She writes, I want to show the impact Christ has made in my life. And as I continue to grow in my faith, be able to share the love and beauty of Jesus with others. And so, Rebecca, I want to ask you, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? You bet. (laughs) (laughs) Then based on your public profession of faith, we baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You know, the beautiful thing about all these baptisms is the smile on the face of the people when they come up from the baptism. That's because something has changed. The old is gone, the new has come. It's all because of what Jesus Christ has done. So I want to challenge you this Easter season to not live in fear, to not hide away, but instead proclaim your faith, profess your faith, live in the power of the resurrection. Begin every day. Jesus, just send your spirit to fill me with your faith, with your courage. Teach me to live in the power of the resurrection. I want to encourage you, if you're here this weekend, and for the first time, you just started to believe that maybe, just maybe, just maybe, this Jesus is something that could actually bring forgiveness and healing into my life. I want to encourage you to... to, be here. Check this place out. Connect with the people here in such a way. If you're new, you can go to the new area back in the corner and just begin to start getting to know people. Uh, we've got a series starting next week. I'm going to tell you about it in a little bit. But, but it's just an incredible opportunity for you to take steps to move towards what this church is all about, you knowing and becoming like Jesus Christ. I want to pray. Father, I thank you so much for the beautiful message of baptism, the message that because Jesus really lived He really died. He really rose from the dead. That those who put their faith in him become children of God. That the old is gone, the new has come. The past of shame and regret and difficulty melts away into the future of hope and healing and transformation and eternal life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that when you came out of the grave, you declared, you called us, that we are brothers and sisters. Thank you for entrusting us with your Holy Spirit and this message and this declaration of forgiveness that we have been given to share with the world that God so loved them, that so loved us all, that he sent his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We love you, we praise you, and we just say hallelujah in Jesus' name, amen. Well, one thing more I want to let you know about is, uh, hey, next week we're going to do church again. 
And so I want to invite you back, and I want to invite you back because we're going to begin a series that I'm actually really excited about. It's actually called Well-Being, and we're doing this because we're convinced that the world and the culture and society we live in is actively working against your well-being. It actually is driving you and pushing you and causing you to live your life from the outside in and keeping you from doing something that the Bible talks about is really important, developing an inner life. And so next week we're going to be asking three key questions to evaluate whether or not you've been neglecting your inner life. And it has the ability to change, just transform what's going on in your emotional life, what's going on in your thinking life, what's going on in the way you live every single day. So I really want to encourage you to come. I want to encourage you to bring a friend, someone maybe just going through difficult times. It would be a great time to invite them. Just come and check things out here uh, just to take a step to know and become like Jesus Christ. Thank you for being here. Hey, happy Easter. Happy Easter. I'm glad you're here. We'll see you next week. Yeah.